man, me na back down, me na back down, me na back down. Satan kingdom must come down, must come down, come down. Go like your head, it a go fall to the ground, fall to the ground. Morningradio.com. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, we thank you for another Wednesday morning. And that was Shabazz and a Christian Warrior. And that's what we want to be today because we are on the battlefield. Yeah. And we're fighting for the Lord. Hallelujah. We are fighting to stay on his side, to stay with him to obey him, to do what he says, and to make us Christian warriors. And sometimes we come against the devil uh, on the behalf of others. Sometimes we have to do what we call standing in the gap. Yeah, I have to stand and pray for you because you're weak right now and, you know, something has happened bad and you just can't stand for yourself. So we Christian warriors. So I come in and I war for you. Hallelujah. I thank you, Jesus. Sometimes I ask the Lord to send his fighting angels, send the warring angels to fight in the war for us. Hallelujah. Because he's able to do it. I found out, I believe it's over in Psalms 119, God knew some evil angels. I said, look at this. 
everything belonged to him. When it came to Pharaoh and let uh, Israel go, he sent them evil angels. Yes, sir, Pharaoh had to let go, you see. <laughs> the pestilence came, grasshoppers, and all kind of stuff came. Yeah, because God showed him, I have the power. You say you the king, but I have the power, all power. I'm the creator. I'm not just a king. I am the creator of heaven and earth. You'll never outdo me, Pharaoh. Moses went over. They, he put the rod down, turned the rod into a snake. The, the diviner, the, the, the witchcraft worker, he come and he put his stick down and turned it into a snake. Moses touched that water and it turned into blood everywhere, all the water. Or nothing the diviner could do with that. Nothing that the witch doctor, the root man could do with that. They were dealing with all power. But they were going to fight against all power. Yeah. And sometimes that's what people do. They're fighting against you thinking they're fighting you. But they're fighting against God. They're fighting all power. Uh-huh. Because all power is on your side. The God that has all power is for you. There's no higher power. And we ought to be grateful this morning. We ought to be thankful. We ought to be excited to have all power on our side. Oh, I heard what they said. I know what they choose to do. I know you got the letter. I know you got the phone call. All power is on your side today. And all power said, if he be for you, he's more than the whole world against you. I can't help it about a COVID. I can't help it about uh, the other name they call this thing, coronavirus. I, I can't help all of that. I can't help prejudice. I, I, I can't help the world has flipped upside down. It, 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 the, the world has lost its mind. I can't help that. I have all power on my side. I'm not going to fret because of evildoers. Yeah, I'm going to continue to taste and see that the Lord is good. He promised never to leave and not forsake me. He said he would be with me until the end. <laughs> and I have not found him to be a liar yet. Yeah. So I believe that. I believe he won't leave me. He won't forsake me. I believe he's going all the way with me until the end. Yeah. I believe he's right here with me right now. Been here all the time. He came in before I came into this house. I just met him here. Hallelujah. Thank Jesus. And he never left. Yeah. Because wherever I am, there, there he is. Wherever I go, he's right there with me. And I thank him for that today. Yeah, I thank him that when trouble comes, I can begin to praise him when trouble have come. Yeah. I was sharing with y'all yesterday about the T-shirts. And I wrote Cash App. Cash App wrote me back and said the money went to the right person. Because I I, I, I knew what I did, but the, the person who was doing the T-shirt, they said they never got it. The name that Cash App is showing me and said got the money. It was in small letters. His name is the same name, but his is in large letters, what we call capital letters. The, the, the first name and you know, the second name start with the capital letter. So 
Cash App said, well, send me uh, the cash tag name again. Send me uh, the phone number or email address or something else they asked for, and I sent that to them. Because the way that Cash App wrote me, they were a little hot. <laughs> you could tell in the email, I said, oh, they're a little bit of angry, you know, because I guess they have so much fraud going on and craziness, you know. And uh, I sent what they requested back to them. Well, later on in the day, I get a thing, and it says that uh, they would lend me $150. I said, what? I said, what is? I checked it out. It's really true. Cash app lending money. I said, wow, look at this. I said, PayPal is going out. They better they better tighten up because they're going out. Because you can't even get a rep on PayPal. No. They they tell you to put your stuff in a message and then a couple of hours back to you. By the time they get back to you, it could be bedtime. But you need an it. An immediate response. A lot of things. Uh, it's changing. I had to redo everything. My passwords had to be uh, redone. I don't know if anybody else is experiencing this. Even on the TV, if you have a smart TV, well, mine, all I did was just click, 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 you know, on the remote. But every time I clicked the app, I had to go in there and put my information back in there because they're doing the, I think it's called two-step two verification, and it comes to my phone. That way if somebody get my information, they're not going to be, you can get my name, my, my username and password, but you won't be able to get into my stuff because it's going to come to my phone. <laughs> and only I have my phone, and only I know when it comes through. And all I know what the code is that they sent to my phone. So they're trying to beef up security on the Internet for everything. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Because you have some scammers and you have some people just doing all kind of stuff. Taking and all of this. One, one person told me, he said, well, the hackers, why don't they hack everybody with a bank account and put some money on it? They just trying to tear up companies and, and, and destroy American stuff. And, and you know, so we don't have it so good and some people hate the internet because of their experience. But the only thing I've experienced bad on the internet I say is people coming to fool with me about what I believe. That's basically it. And then in a few minutes they go on down the street because they see they have no wind. You know, I'm not bothering you. This is according to what I believe. Whatever you believe, that's up to you, and I don't come against what you believe. So you do you, I'm going to do me, because I, I'm led by the Spirit of God. So they go on down the street. They don't keep going. But some people cause foolishness on themselves. Somebody posts something, and then you come under their post being mean or just riding out on how you feel about what they posted. No. Everything you see on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, what this other one is, TikTok or whatever it is, you, you don't have to 
have a voice. You don't have to voice your opinion on it. Some things is best, uh, better left unsaid. It's better that you just ride on because this is what this person believes in. This is what they like. You know, they train their children at an early age to twerk. Their daughters and things okay. Uh, got the little girl on there posing like an adult woman. Okay. That's not what I would do, but that's your child and that's, you know, your thing. So all I can do is pray. Pray for your mind and pray for the baby. And I keep it moving. Yeah. I'm not getting on nobody's post riding out. You know, I mean, I, I and then I, I noticed this. Listen. Folks say they're Christians. They say they're believers. They're Christians. They're the saints to God. They're the people of God. They're out praying every morning in the sunshine. All kind of stuff. But listen. God can't be first in their lives. Do you hear what I say? He's not first in their lives. Give God the first fruit of everything in their lives. They're users. They're not with him, so they'll have something to call on when they get in trouble. I'm just telling you the truth. They're not preparing for his return. They're doing their own thing and think they're going to incorporate God in on their flesh. If you know that God is the God of heaven and earth, he's got all power. He's been good to you. But see, he's not your life. You want him in your life, but he's not your life. And your life is not hid in him. Because people say things to me like this. I know God over everything. But that's not what I'm talking about. They're talking about what they're talking about. Do you hear me? I'm like, what kind of believer is this? They believe in themselves and in doing what they want to do and incorporate God in on it. I'm telling you, he's not their life. He, he, he's not the head of their lives. He, they uh, think they have him in their lives, but they're the kind that put him in the box and put him in the corner. And when I get done, or when I need you, you can come out. How many know God too big to put in a box and set him anywhere? He made the heavens and the earth. So when you see these kind of people, and let me tell you about these kind of people, they can lie, can cheat, they can steal, they can fornicate. Because I, I even look at the name. I, I look at your name. You want to be my friend, and I, I, I look at your name. And your name tell me, number one, you're selfish. Number two, your name tell me you think more of yourself than you ought. When I see what you post, it's some foolishness. But you thinking it's wisdom. You thinking it's smart. You think it makes you look good. But you're only going to draw a certain kind of nutty people. I'm a lunatic. That's what you're going to draw to you. With the foolishness. And how many know a lunatic, a fool, will go for anything? Yeah. And you think you're really doing something on Facebook, Twitter, or wherever you are, and you think you're just rising to the top, and people just see you as all that, and people with the right eyes, <laughs> yes, they see you as a fool. 
this is some kind of nut I'm dealing with. And many times I try to help these people. Yeah, it's our job to try to help. But they don't want it. So when you see they don't want wisdom, they don't want understanding, they don't want knowledge, you see they're fool. The words they leave them a fool. Yeah, and I walk on. Pray for them, give them back to God, and keep going. Lord, you gave this task to me, and I did what you said, and they don't want you. And, Lord, if it's your will that I continue, I will continue to give them scripture, continue to try to help them. But, Lord, I know I see they fools. They're not just disobedient, some of them. See, some of them just disobedient because they're in the world and of the world. What they're doing in the world feels good to them. Yeah, it's fun many times in sinning. That's why people do it. And, you know, they obey in their flesh, and the flesh is pleased, so they keep going. But then God will come and speak, and they'll stop to listen. And sometimes they'll say things like this, too far. Lord, I thank you that you brought me back. They will repent. Take up their cross and follow God. And that don't even want to acknowledge it, don't want to recognize I've done wrong, you got to let them go. Because if not, it's like you banging your head against a brick wall. After a while, your brain's going to ooze out. You, you're going to be crazy. You're going to be dead. Yeah, so you, you let go and let God in. But I thank God this morning for his grace and his mercy. Most of all, his love, hallelujah, because his love is what caused him to give us grace and mercy, unlimited supply, unlimited. There's no end to his grace and his mercy for his people, hallelujah. He yet looked beyond us and continued to bless us, and we're grateful unto him. And then let me tell you, I got to say this too, sometimes family members will get mad with you about the truth about their family member. Yeah. I, lo- I love my brother, and they'll make excuses. I love mine, but I can't make excuses for him. Had he not ever heard God, then I might come make some excuses for him. But he heard. And it's up to him to obey. It's up to him even to investigate God, to seek him, in other words. So a lot of times we're making excuses for no reason because we think we're protecting this loved one that we love. In that great and notable day, you won't be able to make excuses for them and you won't be able to protect them. They belong to God. He has said what he meant, and I promise you he meant every word he said. So a lot of us, we can't do what we're supposed to do because we're holding on to stuff that we shouldn't. We're all in God's business. Some of us don't even know we're all in his business with our feelings and our thoughts. Yeah, but we got to get in the word so we'll know 
because if we're not in the word understanding, then we won't know we're in God's business. We think we're doing the loved one a favor. You're really hurting them. Yeah, you don't know it, but you're really hurting them because you got to tell them the truth. You're trying to protect their feelings. But God sent his word to protect you from going to hell and your loved one. That's the truth. That's the truth. Yeah, because hell is a real place. The devil is real. See, he's banking on you don't believe he's real. He's banking on you won't think this him doing this, that, and the other. But if it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, that's his work. That's not the work of God. Yeah, not the work of God. Jesus comes that we might have a life and have it more abundantly. And a godly life will bring you abundance. And I'm not talking just about materialistic things. I'm talking about spiritual things. It will bring you an abundance so when a trial comes, you can stand. Because trials coming. And they come to make us strong. They don't come to punish us. Hallelujah, Jesus. So we thank him this morning. We give him glory. We give him the honor. And we give him the praise. Hallelujah. This morning we're going in with Dr. Charles Booth. And his message today is by any means necessary. By any means necessary. I didn't listen uh, to the message. I'm just trust Booth and he passed away, they tell me. One more person. I know y'all remember uh, me playing evangelist uh, Joyce Rogers a while back. It may have been last week. And I was looking for for one of her messages and found out a few days ago she passed away. I'm like, witness. Yeah. She was uh, an evangelist over in the Church of God in Christ. And she passed away. And she did a lot of uh, women ministry stuff. And so she passed away. Also, uh, today you may hear me not uh, call some names in the roll call. And uh, there's a reason for it. And I trust God today. And if he bring it to my attention, because he's that way, he's going to use somebody. If you don't know, he let you know one way or another what's going on. Don't do this. Don't do that. Because see, our heart, we should have a heart of flesh. And we pray for everybody. We love everybody, the bad and the ugly, because that's what God does. But I remember God telling Samuel, how long are you going to mourn for Saul? God had taken his anointing from Saul and gave it to his neighbor, David. And Samuel keep, you know, Lord, save him. God, spare him. Lord, don't take it. Lord, help him. This, uh-uh. I've made my decision. <laughs> I'm taking my anointing from him because he's disobedient. And sometimes it's where we're disobedient at. See, some things you can be disobedient on, and God will just look at you. Some things you're disobedient on, God removes himself 
from you. Because that's, that, that's something there that not only will destroy his people, but it's truly coming against God. And it show God the very intent of your evil heart. So he removed his anointing from Saul and Samuel crying and carrying on. And God asked him, get up. How long are you going to mourn for Saul? I've done and said what I, I said and done what I wanted to do. I've done and said what what I was going to do. And no matter how long you stay down here crying, I'm not changing it. I need you to get up and begin to obey me. And don't become disobedient like Saul. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. I had some people when I left Alabama, oh boy, every day. Oh Lord, this and that and God this that one day <clears throat> the Lord comes and says, How long are you gonna mourn? How long are you going to cry for them? Stop. And that's what I had to stop praying for them. Would you believe that? And I let it go. I let it go. Because God has spoken. All I needed to do was obey. Say amen and obey. And that's what I decided to do. Because I know him. He's got all power. There's no higher power. Hallelujah. And so at any cost, we, we got to obey God. In many days, it's going to hurt the flesh. Many days, it's going to make that flesh say, ouch. And sometimes we'll and stay on in disobedience. But I want to say, ouch, and get up and begin to obey God. Yeah. It, it, it blessed me better. Hallelujah, to obey him. So listen, we're going to this one this morning. And uh, when we come back, we're coming back with our morning prayer. And after morning prayer, then we'll go in with Dr. Charles Booth. Hallelujah.
a hallelujah. What a choir. <laughs> Louis says super choir. Yeah, I like that one. I like that one right there because we come this far by faith. Yeah, I, I, I made it in 2021 from 1993 by faith. Yeah, after I fully received God for myself, after he saved me, sanctified me, set me aside unto himself. Yeah, and then he filled me with his spirit. And so after that, he baptized me, you see, in the spirit, his spirit. And I've come this far because I began to seek him, you know, after I found out he was real. (laughs) And I wanted to be just as real as he was in him, as he was real. And so we come, I came, I should say, this far by faith, believing God after seeking him. And still seeking him daily, still trusting in his word. His word haven't failed me yet. Yeah. He has not failed me yet. And I believe as long as I keep the faith, continue to trust him. And continue to lean and depend on him. Don't think I can do it. Because without him, I can do nothing. See, I can talk about me. I know me better than anybody else. So as long as I trust in him with all my heart, lean not to my own understanding. In all, that word is a big, big word. It covers a lot. In all my ways, I acknowledge him. And he made me a promise. And he shall direct my path. He let me know, Barbara, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear me and depart from me. I'm a giver. I believe in planting seeds. And doing these things, it caused me to continue to be blessed by him, through him, for me. <laughs> and many more that he sent my way and sent me their way. I, I have to stay on what they call the battlefield. Jabaz said Christian warriors. We are Christian warriors. I have to continue to fight and hold up the bloodstained banner. Because over the years he's shown me you the candle that sits on the hill that can't be hid. You're, you, you, you are what brings safe flavor to the earth. If it was not for the believers, this would be over with. If we look back at Noah, God destroyed the whole earth and all the people, disobedient people in it, but he found one and saved the one, and the one he saved saved his family. He's more than a fair God. I've heard people say, Favor is not fair. I think it is. (laughs) I can't tell God what to do. I can't tell him how to do it. The earth is his. The fullness of the world and they that dwell therein. I can't tell God what to do with his stuff. There's no point in me being jealous of you because you got a brand new car. God gave that to you. That was your desire. 
I, I, I have no need to be jealous of that, but I do have a need to rejoice with you over what God gave to you. He moved again. And I'm grateful because I see God is yet moving for his people. I belong to him. So if he moved for you, he'll move for me. I may not want a new car. I may want the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. Huh? He gave you the new car. He gave me the house on the hill with Fluffy. Or I may desire something else. I may desire my own business. But when I see God move for you, it let me know he's still moving in the earth. But yet love his people. He's still hearing and answering prayer. He's still giving heart's desires to those that stay with him. Those that delight themselves in him. And see, this is what's wrong with these people that say God is over everything, but nobody in there, either he's over everything and I'm going to come subject to him and his word and his will and his way, or I belong to the devil. He said we belong to him when we obey him. If we don't obey him, we don't belong to him. Check the word. Now, check the word. And I know a lot of people went, well, that's that. She didn't give us the scripture. How about researching? How about seeking the word for yourself? They got so much on the internet now, you can find anything in the word. I never was one that do all that scripture quoting. Because I know a lot of scripture quoting folks, ain't they are not living nothing. Do you hear me? Got all that scripture and nowhere to find it, but not living it. James said, don't be a hearer of words. And don't just know the word, but be a doer. Obey the word of God. See, because daily we're preparing for his return. He's coming back here. And he's looking for his church that he nourishes and cherishes. And he's able to make his church without spot or rancor. But we must seek him for it. There's going to be a great wedding. And now is our time to prepare to go to this wedding. We're waiting on the, the bridegroom to come. Oh, I feel all right right there this morning. Yeah. I, I don't want to have my veil um, and my train and my dress matching. And I didn't go to the shoemaker and get me a custom made This is a big deal. How I many know when, I, when you go to a wedding, don't you dress your finest? You represent whatever side you went for, whether it's the bride or the groom. So we're preparing, and we got time to go to the shoemaker and get the right shoes. Uh, uh, the shoe material may match my gown or my dress. I may decide to wear me a little hat with the little veil that dropped down. It, it, it's like a net, got little holes in it and things. My hair put up, you know. But the hat matches my dress and my shoes. I decide that I want to take a purse to the wedding. So now the shoe, the hat, and the purse match the dress. And this is the way we got to be when he comes. 
prepared and ready. Even my jewelry, you know, it accentuates what I have on. Everything, I'm ready to go to the wedding. I'm fully dressed. And this is what God is coming looking for. Those that are ready. Those that have prepared daily. Those have been accused. Those have been lied on. But they stood in his word. They stood on his word. They didn't bend and they didn't buckle. Because they remember what he sent his word out to do. That's what it was going to do. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's looking for those that when they fall short, when they find themselves in error, they quickly run to him and say, Father, forgive me. Clean up, Lord. And when this come back around, don't let it find me in the same place. But that I've moved on and you swept my house clean. And I'm watchful and prayerful now because I let nothing come back in that shouldn't be in. Help me today. Sometimes we feel a little tired and, and, and we feel like we may not be able to sling our sword one more time. And he'll come in and strengthen us because we have the whole armor of God on. We're standing against the wiles of the devil. We're not standing against the wiles of people. We're not fighting flesh and blood. We're fighting that evil spirit. And we got to remember that. This is how you can love anybody. You can love your enemies. You can pray for them that despitefully use you because you're not fighting the person. You're fighting that spirit that used them. And we love anyway. For God is love. Go check First John out, the fourth chapter over there. It's going to tell you some stuff. Yeah. So we have love. If we have God, we got love. And we can love anybody. Again, we can love them enemies. Because, again, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but principalities, wickedness in high places, rulers of the darkness. Ah, yeah, Lord Jesus. And guess what? It's him that come and strengthen us. Many days we fight with the word. I can't cuss nobody out and use ugly language. There's no need in me saying, well, why in the hell? I don't have to say all of that. They saw us, I don't have to say that. Why is that Bob greater he that lives within me than he that is in the world? And he'll remind me. That's not the way to talk to them. You'll never reach them like that. You got to stay humble. Stay at my feet. And allow me to lead and guide Has God ever told you what to say to somebody? They were your enemies. They was coming for your head. But God told you what to say and it turned all of that around. I've had people come and say, I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. I, I, I misunderstood what you said. I took it in the wrong way. Forgive me. I was like, yeah, you already forgot him. You know, continue to focus on that. I asked the Lord to help you, to bless you. Because I didn't come to do any evil thing. But like you said, you didn't understand. And that's in life. Many times we don't understand. That's why I prefer more of a phone call than texting. More of a phone call than messaging because of this. Sometimes the tone and the text or the message uh, 
it makes the person feel some kind of way. You said this, but you didn't mean it in an ugly way. <laughs> you know, it was what they took it as, you know. So I prefer a phone call. And that way we got the right tone in everything. We understand each other. And he told me, Solomon showed me that a soft answer is the way wrath. You know, you can have somebody, you just remain calm and remain humble. And if they still with it, it way walk away because it's a fool that stand and clown by themselves when the person they think is their enemy have walked away. It may not be their enemy, they just think this is my enemy and they clown. Yeah. But it's like in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Listen, we're going to pray about Pastor Mark Hint this morning. I love this prayer. Hallelujah. He prayed that thing down, the wall down. And uh, he prayed for us. And I thank God for it. So we're going to his prayer. And then I know we, we're supposed to go to Dr. Booth right afterwards. But I got one more request. I'm going to get out there. And Lou, I know this one's going to bless you when I play it. <laughs> so we're going to Pastor Hinton for prayer. And after prayer, one more song request. And right after that, no more talking, right after that, Dr. Charles Booth, hallelujah. And his message again today, by any means necessary, uh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, we're grateful. Because had not been for you, we would not be here. We opened our eyes this morning, God, because you gave us the strength to open our eyes. We were able to rise because you gave us strength in our limbs and the facilities of our our body. We were able to, God, because you blessed us and brought us the way of safety. Did not allow harm to come to us, Lord. We're grateful to again come into your presence because we know where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And as we come before you today, have your way, Lord. Let flesh be crucified, that you might be glorified, that your people might be edified in the name of Jesus. For God in you is life. And that's what we seek, God, life. Eternal life, God. We pray, O oh God, today that you will touch every person that have come seeking you, Lord. Bind the hand of the devil, God. Rebuke the hand of the enemy, Lord. God, let your anointing that resonates in this place even now. God, let there be an outpouring on your people. We need you, God, to take us to another level in you, Lord. God, we're faced with demonic forces, God. Evil spirits have come up against us, Lord. And we need to be fortified with your power. God, we can't make it on our own strength, God. We don't have enough to stand on, Lord. But we know, God, that your joy is our strength. Fill us up on today in the name of Jesus. Somebody have come this morning burdened down, God, 
with the issues of life, God. Somebody, God, is in the battle of their life. Somebody's God fighting in their mind and in their spirit, Lord, where the devil have come in to war against them, Lord. But we thank you, God, because we know greater are you that's within us than he that is within this world, God. We know, God, that you are a deliverer, Lord, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you're no short of your promise, Lord. And you're able to deliver us, Lord. Touch us on today, Lord. We need you like never before. Fill us up with the Holy Ghost, God. And give us a reason, Lord, huh, that when we leave here today, Lord, huh, we can leave with your anointing, Lord, huh, that as we meet men and women, boys and girls, huh, they might be converted, know who you are, Lord. Huh. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Huh. We thank you because you are a healer. Huh. You're the God that healeth thee, huh, and healing's in your wings. Huh, and you're able to touch our feeble bodies. Huh. You're able to save our troubled souls. And in the name of Jesus, uh, bind every demon, Lord, uh, every demonic force, Lord, uh, God, that comes to keep us uh, in the same place, Lord. Uh, we're willing, God, to surrender uh, and say yes to your will, Lord. Uh, we're willing to turn our lives, God, uh, over into your hands, Lord, uh, because we come to the place, God, uh, where we realize like never before, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, more than anything we know, uh, we need you, Jesus. Uh, our men are trying to find God, uh, solutions to this chaotic world, God. Uh, we looking to you, Lord, uh, because we know for every right desire, uh, there is an answer. And Jesus answer. Uh, there's no not uh, to turn hither or thither, Lord. Uh, we need but to look to you, Lord, uh, because you're the answer, God, uh, for our trouble lies, Lord. Uh, touch on the day, God. Uh, bring every yoke, God. Uh, save on the day, God. Deliver on the day, God. Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Jesus. We're crying out to you, Lord. Know that you're able to save our souls. We're able, God, to heal our bodies, Jesus. We know that you're able, God, to turn our situations around. Jesus, no other help we know. No other help we know. No other help we know, God. You're able, Jesus, to deliver our children. You're able, Jesus, to save the unsaved husband. You're able, Jesus, to heal the cancer patient. Nothing too hard for you, Jesus. No other God we know. We know that you're able, Jesus. We know that you're able, Jesus. We say yes to your will, God. Yes to your way, Lord. Have your way, Jesus. And we'll thank you, Lord. And we'll give your name the praise. And we'll bless you, Lord. Yes, we thank you, Lord. And we bless your holy name. Come on, open your mouth and give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a working man. I get things done. Work for the Holy Ghost, work for the Son. Oh, yeah, I love that one there by New World Son. Yeah, Canadian brothers in Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going in with Dr. Charles Booth this morning, and his message is by any means necessary. Uh, Evangelist maybe uh, is at 100. I, I don't know how to turn it up any louder. So uh, we're going in with Dr. Charles Booth again, by any means necessary. Open your Bibles, if you will, this morning to the Gospel of Mark, Chapter 2. The Gospel of Mark, Chapter 2. 
And in your hearing, I want to read the first 12 verses. And I read this is the Lord's Day morning from the New International Translation of the Holy Scriptures. Luke chapter, Mark chapter 2, pardon me, beginning at verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their fate, he said to the paralytic son, Your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. He said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. We have never seen anything like this. You may return to your seated places. I want to preach this morning as the Lord gives me strength and passion by any means necessary. By any means necessary. For those of you who grew up as I did in the 1960s, this particular phrase, by any means necessary, is familiar. It was a phrase often uttered by the late Malcolm X. And it was a phrase that he would use when addressing what is our full press towards freedom and equality republic that we call the United States of America. What many people believe, these words, this phrase, was not originated with Malcolm X, but it goes back some 100 years before he was born. It was first uttered by an African-American Presbyterian preacher whose name was Henry Highland Garnett. And these words were uttered sometime around 1842. By anybody's standards of that day, this day, or even in the 60s, it was a radical phrase. Its very implication and inference seems to suggest that in our bold quest for freedom, even perhaps violence could be employed. And for that reason, many of us 
who are a part of the Christian enterprise found ourselves shunning that particular phrase and shying away from him. People like Richard Allen and Absalom Jones could not in any way identify with that phrase because in their particular way of thinking that phrase was far too radical. And there are those who live today who honestly believe that the employment of phrase is yet important as we struggle for yet what is full equality in this country. I'm not come today to debate the pros and cons of the phrase, but I come today to lift it because I think it has meaning and purpose to the text that I want to lift today out of New Testament antiquity. For those of us who've been a part of the Christian church for any period of time, we recognize that in the second chapter of Mark, at the very commencement of our Lord's ministry, something wonderful is taking place. People are captivated by his preaching. They are tremendously uplifted by what is his teaching. And yet in addition to what is both his preaching and his teaching, there is something unusual about this young rabbi from Nazareth who is able to do the miraculous. Now I recognize this morning that I preach to a sophisticated crowd, and there are many of us who really don't believe in the supernatural power of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I believe there are a few witnesses in the building who can attest that God is still a healer. God is able to touch minds, is able to touch bodies. God is able to touch spirits and make us whole again. In the second chapter, there is a paralytic, a man who is paralyzed from his waist down, from his head down. There is no mobility, there is no activity in his limbs. And yet word has come to him and to several of his friends that this young rabbi from Nazareth is now in Capernaum. The crowds have swollen to such an enormous degree that the house in which Jesus is preaching and teaching cannot be entered. The crowd has overflowed outward. And in order to get to Jesus, these men who are not acquaintances but friends travel up the stairway along the house. And the house is made of stone, but the roof is made of mud and straw, which explains how they are able to dig a hole through it and place before the Lord this paralytic man who is in need of the healing that only Christ can give. Allow me to say parenthetically that there is a qualitative difference between someone that you defined as an acquaintance somebody that you defined as a friend. An acquaintance is simply somebody who comes within the orbit of your life and may well be there for a utilitarian motive, meaning that there is something that they want from you. There is something that they want out of you. But these men who have gathered this paralytic and who carry him on their shoulders to the house in Capernaum where our Lord is, these are not acquaintances. These are friends. 
They have the paralytic's well-being before them. They are concerned about his wrath. And when the crowds have swollen to such a feverish pitch, to the point that they are not able to get to the crowd, they go up the stairs, dig a hole through the roof, and place him before the Lord. Now what is interesting about the text is that when they place the paralytic before the Lord, they do not utter one word. Nothing is said. Not one word comes forth from their lips. They just deposit him and back from it. The Lord has the uncanny ability, doesn't he, to see genuine need when it is placed before him. One does not need a log. One does not need a lot of verbiage. Whenever you have a legitimate need and you place it before the Lord, the Lord can look beyond what is your exterior and see what is on the inside. And the record is that while the man lies there, notice that Jesus does not first heal the man. Healing is not the first item on the agenda. The first item on the agenda is to forgive the man of his sins. For the infirmity, the affliction, the sickness with which he lives is derivative of that Adamic thing that happened years ago in the bowels of Eden. It erupts out of that thing we call original sin. Come on, don't look at me like I'm crazy. All of us are sinners this morning. We might be dressed up, but we are still sinners saved by grace. And if you don't have anything to shout about this morning, you ought to shout that he brought you out of darkness, the marvelous light of his grace. Doesn't matter who you are, who you think you are, all have sinned. I said all have sinned. I said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thanks be to God, we have a Savior who is in the house this morning. And he is still forgiving sins. Can I get a witness? I said, can I get a witness? Does anybody feel like I feel this morning? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Jesus looks at the paralytic. And he says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Notice that it says that there are teachers of the law in the assembly. Erudite men, educated men, men who are schooled in the law of the Torah. They don't verbalize, they don't articulate out loud what it is that they are thinking. But remember, the Lord can look beyond the exterior. And Mark reports that he unmask their thinking and their thought is who is this young upstart who is this rabbi from Nazareth who is this man who does not have any from an accredited theological institution forgiving sin nobody has the power to forgive sins except God himself and the Lord reads the radar of their thinking and he registers out loud what they are thinking in their own private state. And he says, which is the right thing? 
to forgive the man of his sins or to tell him, take up his mat and walk. And Jesus totally disregards these teachers of the law. He disses these religious sophisticates. And he tells the man, not only are your sins forgiven, but pick up your mat, get out of here, and go home. But I come today not to wrestle with why the teachers thought the way they thought. My issue is with these four men who placed their paralytic friend before Jesus, who have come to Jesus because they want their friend healed by any means necessary. Now some of you can sit up on the log this morning if you choose. But I got out of my bed and I came to Bethel this morning after 170 years because I still want my blessing. And I want my blessing by any means necessary. So I would advise you this morning to take a pew check right about now. And if somebody hadn't moved yet, yourself elbow room. Because you need to tell everybody on your pew, I came this morning to be blessed. I came this morning to be helped. I came this morning to be healed. I came this morning to be delivered. And somebody came up in here today to be saved. And I came by any means necessary. I've gone through too much hell this week. Not to be blessed this morning. I gathered my garments about my back, made my way through the streets of Jacksonville because I believe there's a blessing in this house. And I'm not going to let you or anybody else get in my way. I'm going to get my blessing by any means necessary. Sit down, sit down, sit down. What is it in these four men that pushes them to bring their paralytic friend to Jesus? Why is it so necessary? that they present him to Jesus for healing. The first thing that the check suggests to me is they bring their paralytic friend to be healed by Jesus because they understood that life is never to be lived in the horizontal. We are born to live in the vertical dimension of life. Anybody who lives in the horizontal lives an immobile life. An active life. The only persons who live in that horizontal position, who live in that prone position, are babies who must lie in their crib and cradle. Children and grown-ups when they sleep. People who are infirmed and who have not the activity of their limbs and the mobility and of body to move. Prone horizontal people ultimately are people who are asleep or dead. God never called us to live life in the horizontal dimension. Here is a man who lives flat on his back every day that God sends. And the only good thing we can say about his horizontal posture is that even in a horizontal position, he's still able to lift up his eyes unto the hill from whence cometh his help. Come on, I'm awake now. I feel like preaching. And he's able to say, all of my help comes from the Lord. 
But how many of us this morning are physically vertical but spiritually horizontal? And because we are spiritually horizontal, we are not living in the vertical dimension of mobility, activity, and ministry. God has called you to do more than occupy a pew on Sunday morning in worship. Too many of us are paralyzed in spirit and we are crippled psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. We are the walking dead. You know folk, as I know folk, who have allowed life to so immobilize them that spiritually they are living on a horizontal plane. May I preach this morning? People who are chemically dependent are living horizontally. People who are crippled and immobilized because of some past abuse are living horizontally. People with low self-worth and low self-esteem esteem are living horizontally. But God has called us to pick up our mats and to lift ourselves from a prone position and to stand up vertically and declare, I can do all things. Some things, not a few things, but don't call it, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. Do I have about 25 people up in Bethel this morning who know something about getting up out of a crippled state? Who know something about rising up from a horizontal position? Who know something about the healing, helping, saving, and delivering power of the Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody ought to shout this morning, he's able. I said he's able. He's able to do exceeding and abundantly beyond anything that I can think, dream, or imagine. Life is not meant to be lived in the horizontal. Look at Job. Life tried to reduce him to the horizontal. He lost his wealth. All of his children died in one setting. Health was attacked with agonizing sores and scabs from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. And on top of all of that, his soulmate, his wife, has the unmitigated gall to tell him, curse God and die. He could have bowed and positioned himself emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually on a horizontal mat. But I hear Job saying, the Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. But blessed, I said blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. Because Job declared, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as pure gold. That's why Bethel has been a praise house for 170 years. Way back in 1838 when you were founded, prior to emancipation, a group of African Americans got together and decided that they were not going to live in a horizontal plane. Slavery and indentured servitude was not going to be their lot because they had somebody who was greater than the slave master. I got another master. And his name is Wonderful. 
counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. I am not meant to live life in the horizontal position. Look at what else the text teaches. These men said we must get our paralytic friend to the Lord by any means necessary. Because life is never meant to be lived totally dependent on somebody else. This paralytic can do absolutely nothing for himself. He needs assistance when he eats. He needs assistance in order to drink water. He needs assistance to dress his body. He needs assistance to bathe his frame. He needs assistance to take care of all of his bodily functions. Can you imagine how utterly frustrating that must be? To be totally cold. Total, so totally incapacitated that you can't lift one finger in order to assist you in the things that you and I take for granted. Something's wrong with any human being to whom God has given gift, a talent, ability, and resource, and you live totally dependent on somebody else. They bring the paralytic to Jesus because not only do they want him in a vertical position, but they want him to be able to become self-sufficient. We need self-sufficiency. Babies are totally dependent. Children are totally dependent. Sick, infirmed, afflicted people who cannot do for themselves need dependency. But for those of us who have a reasonable portion of our health and strength, you may not have all the gifts of the Spirit. Nobody does. But everybody got at least one. And rather than always depend and lean on somebody else, you need to be able to move away from dependent mm -hmm. to independence. Y'all not feeling me. When I graduated from high school, my mother had a serious discussion with me. And it really wasn't a discussion. It was a monologue. There was nothing dialogical about this conversation. She sat down and she said, you've made me proud. I'm 17 years old, getting ready to graduate, but I want you to know that you have three options before you on the day you graduate from high school. Option number one, get a job. Option number two, go into the military. Option number three, go to college. There is no fourth option. Because once you march across that stage with that diploma in your hand, you are out of my house. I have raised you for 17 years. I have fed you. I have clothed you. I have taken care of you. I have put in you all the best that I can. And now with the help of God, you must cease to be dependent on me 
and be dependent on God and what God has given you. Something has gone awry in the black community. Something has gone amok in the African-American community. Come on, let's have church. We are raising a generation of African-American men who are nothing more than gigolo. And some of you crazy women, let them be that. The woman is not supposed to be taking care of the man. The man ought to be taking care of the woman. God raises us. Help me something. I said God raises us to become totally dependent on him. Can I get a witness? Yes, sir. Can I get a witness? How many of you still believe there's a will, there is a way? How many of you know God can do anything but fail? Does anybody have a testimony that he can open a door that nobody can shut? And when he gets good and ready, he can shut that same door so that nobody can open it. Life is to be lived. Hallelujah. Never totally dependent on others except if your circumstances necessitate it. Sit down, sit down. (laughs) July 27th, 2004, in the convention center in Boston, Massachusetts, young junior senator from the state of Illinois the name of Barack Obama strolled under the platform of the Democratic National Convention to give the keynote address. He was a little known but he stood on the stage in 2004 with a keynote address and what pushed him into prominence was that speech in which he said that there are no red states. There are no blue states. There is only the United States of America. Dr. McKissick Sr., I shall never forget listening to him on that beautiful night, and I listened to Tim Russell and Tom Brokaw, who said, that young man has a future. He might one day run for the presidency of the United States. But they thought it was way down the line. Hold it, hold it. In four years, without the backing of the prominent people in the Democratic Party, in four years, without the backing of our dominant black leaders. That young man from Illinois put together a political campaign that on January the 20th will put him in the Oval Office in the White House and he'll become the first African-American president in our republic. Somebody ought to shout right now that it is no trick what God can do. What he's done for others. I feel like running around this church. Somebody ought to slap five with somebody and tell them this morning, God is able. 
I said, God is able. Just because the big wigs don't back you, don't mean that you can't make it. With God, all things. Somebody ought to give him an all things praise this morning. How many of you know with God, all, all things are possible? We've got to get our friend to Jesus. Because life is not meant to be lived in the horizontal. We've got to get our friend to Jesus. Because life is not meant to be totally dependent on others. But finally, and I bid you good morning. We've got to get him to Jesus. Because he's our last resort. We've exhausted every other option. We no longer have money for medicine. Doctors are out of the question. Every conceivable medical instrument has been employed. Every conceivable medical idea has been employed. No convalescent center, no rehabilitation place will take him. Medicaid and Medicare have run out. We're in a recession. Got to get him to Jesus. Because there is no other option. That sounds like good news to me. <laughs> that when all else fails, yes, sir. when your intellect fails, mm-hmm. when your political connections fail, when your economic security fails, when your pedigree fails, when your associations fail, there is a final resort. Story is told. And who went to the National Museum of Art and he looked up on the wall and he saw a painting that arrested his attention. He stood there and he looked at the painting. One hour passed, two, three, four hours, but he just stood there. This was the painting. It was entitled Checkmate. And there was a board with chess items on it. And on one side of the board was a young man with a rather pathetic and pitiful look on his face. On the other side of the table was the menacing, sinister glare of Satan himself. With his fingers together looking into the eyes of the young man and the painting was entitled Checkmate. The guard in the museum kept coming by looking at this young man wondering why in the name of God is he just staring at this painting. The guard came to him and said in a couple of hours we're closing. The young man stood there about five minutes before the gallery closed Ferdinand The guard came around the corner and heard the young man holler, It's a lie! The guard said, What do you mean? It's a lie. He looked at the painting. He said, I play chess, and I've been standing here looking at that chessboard, looking at all of those bishops and those rooks, and I've discovered that it's a lie. It's not checkmate. He's got one more move. I'm going to tell something. 
somebody. You got one more move. I don't care what all you're going through. You got one more move. I don't care what your trials are. You got one more move. I don't care what your temptations and your tribulations are. You got one more move. Does anybody feel like giving God praise? Because God will always give you one more move. Somebody ought to get up on your feet right now, throw back, and praise God that in Christ you've got one more move. Why don't you look at somebody and slap five with them and tell them, I'm not going to sink today because God has given me one more move. Somebody ought to praise God. Somebody ought to magnify God. You got to the church this morning because God gave you. I said God gave you. I said, God gave you one more move. Somebody ought to praise him right about now. Can I get a witness in here? The road is rough. Yeah. And the going gets tough. And the hills are hard to climb. Oh, yeah. But I started out a long time ago. And there is no doubt in my mind. Decided. I said, I've decided. I said, I've decided to make Jesus my choice. Can I get a witness? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but holy leave on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. I said on Christ, not right. my politics. All right, on now. Christ, not my economics. Yeah. On Christ, not my education. On Christ, not the head on my On Christ, not the clothes on my back. On Christ, not the shoes on my feet. On Christ, not the ring on my feet. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
This is the kind of radio you need. Yes, Jesus is a morning radio. Old radio for real people. Hallelujah. I got one more move. Ah, one more move. Hallelujah. I can't give up now. Can't give up now. I know for myself. I got one more move. God will move one more time if I can keep the faith. Hallelujah. Believe it. Trust it. Stay in his word, obey him. I got one more move. He's going to always be there moving for me. He's always going to be there moving for me. Yeah, we're going to go through some things in this life. And some the things we go through make us feel low, make us feel we're not as important as other people. And they come up with the word low self-esteem. But when we go to Jesus, he's able to raise that up in us because we realize we have an advocate. Hallelujah. We have a mediator. And if we go to the mediator, he's going to take whatever we need to Almighty God. It may be low self-esteem. It may be I don't understand. Hey, glory. It may be I don't know. It may be I don't appear to be wise. But if I give this thing to the advocate, the mediator, between me and God, he's going to take it to the Father. And because this special son brought it, this son that obeyed him unto death, not only is he going to hear, <laughs> hey, glory, but God is going to answer. And we're talking about the God that have all power. There's no higher power. And by any means necessary, I want to stay with him. I want to stay in him, and I want him to live and stay in me. I want his spirit to lead and guide me because he is leading and guiding me into all truth. The way that leads me, the way that I'm going when I follow it, I don't have to worry about it being false in any kind of way. I, I, I don't even have to worry about trouble 
coming up upon it because I'm following the God that have all power. I'm following his son. Hallelujah. That they they are, and even his son is the word. Hallelujah. His word, the word of God. He was that in the beginning. And he's yet the word today. And we thank God that we have one more move. One more move in him. Many of us have gone through some things like uh, darkness was upon us and and looked like it was was just not going to play out in our favor. It just appeared that we was not going to be winners. And God stepped up on the scene and allowed us to know, (laughs) you got one more move. I'm going to move for you one more time. And what I've learned about this God, he moved for me every time, over and over and over again. He has never failed me. I'm telling you the truth. I have failed myself. Other people have failed me. I've allowed what somebody told me to fail me. But God has never failed me. I just had to wake up and see this for myself. And how I got to see it is more in more daily, I began to taste and see that he was good. And he was for me. He was on my side in spite of me. In spite of what I thought. In spite of what I thought I was doing. He stepped up on the scene and showed me, I'm here for you. Hallelujah. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. I'm going to be with you to the end. But how all of this works, I need you to stay with me. Oh, yeah. If you stay with me, I can prove to you what I can do. If you stay with me, I'm going to prove to you that I'm for you. And if I be for you, I'm more than the whole world against you. Yeah, they're going to sing about you. They're going to do things to you. But I'm going to show you. You're yet going to be the winner. Oh, I know it's looking bad today. I, I know they wrote you up on the job. I I, I know uh, they working you like a dog for a little bit of money, but hang on in there. I got you. Yeah, because see what he's able to do, he's able to make you the supervisor. He's able to make you the district manager. He's able to make you over everything and everybody. He's that kind of God. Hang on in there. Hallelujah. You got one more move. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, he's on our side today. People talk about us. Call us holy roller. Rollers. They say of me I'm too extreme. I, I just can't nobody live that she talking. That's because you don't want to. Jesus came to show the example that you can live it. <laughs> Woo! He come and showed us we can live it. But make the excuse. Somebody say, I'm not Jesus. Oh, but if you want to go back with him, you got to be like him. If you want to be his, you got to do what he does. You got to do what he has done. Yeah. You got to please the father. You got to be willing to give up your life for him. He gave his up for you. He wrote the song, had the songwriter, brother, to write the song that says, must Jesus bear a cross alone? And all the world go free? No. There's a cross for everyone. And I know there's a cross for me. 
But we don't like to go through anything. Yeah, we, we don't want to suffer like he suffered. He went on and did it for the Father and mainly for us. He saw the love that the Father had for us. He had to love us too. Because whatever his Father loves, he loves it. Whatever his Father does, he want to do it. Oh, uh, yeah. He want to always be obedient unto the Father. He always want to please him. He's always wanting to do the things that the Father can accept. Because, again, today, God just don't accept any and every old thing. Oh, I know people think he does, but he does not. Yeah, he does not accept any and every old thing. If he says a liar won't tear in his sight, he, he, he don't accept lies. Mm-mm. He didn't say his son was the way truth, that was the way to lie and the life. That's not what he said. He said, Jesus is the way, the truth. That's what he inspired man to write for us and the life. The truth and the life. But many think he just accepts anything. And some people feel like because they don't see him. They don't feel it. <laughs> what they're doing is all right. God didn't strike them down, so what I'm doing, you know, God all right with it. No sir, no man. We got to go to him and make our calling an election sure with him. But, but anybody glad this morning you one more move? Hallelujah. By any means necessary, you're going to stay with God. And by any means necessary, he's going to take care of us. He's going to provide for us. He's going to keep us safe. Yeah. When I look out there today, if I didn't have God, I'd be scared to go out there unless I had some type of Tank to ride in. I I, I just couldn't drive on the streets. Uh, I I was told this morning about the man who shot the little boy in the car in California. I don't know what took place. I didn't read it. Somebody told me about it. And after he shot that up, he turned around and walked up to another car and started shooting off. (laughs) Jesus, started shooting off in that car. Mine gone, completely gone. So today, if I didn't have God, I just couldn't be out there, no way possible. I would be scared to death to drive unless I rode in a tank, you know, the military tank. That's the only way I could go out there because what I'm seeing is it just happening for no reason. The devil killing and stealing, stealing the minds of the people. He's been doing that. People don't even know their minds are gone, and he's controlling what they're doing. But they think it's them. Yeah. But I thank God today, even in Satan, I have one more move. Wherever I got to go, I have one more move. He's going to keep me. He's going to protect me. He is going to keep me from all hurt, harm, or danger. Oh, yeah. No calamity shall come down my dwelling. I remember telling a young lady that, and she thought it was the funniest thing that she had ever heard. Okay, then, Louis. (laughs) So, look, 
when I explained it to her and she found out what it really means, every time I turned around, she was using that scripture. That that's the word of God. No calamity shall I do it. And she started to be that. Well, you know, no calamity should come now, my dwelling. I thought to myself, I remember the time when you thought it was the funniest thing you ever heard. You didn't understand. And as we hear, we'll laugh at it. We'll say, oh, man, Sister Barbara done bumped her head. I, I kind of like this lady a little bit, but the stuff she be talking is too far out there. She. No, she kind of loony to you know. Uh, <laughs> Brother Mike and I get together. Uh, Brother Mike Kim and I get together, and we have some laughs. And uh, he called me, and we had some laughs. And he said, Sister Bob, when I first heard you, I thought you was crazy. <laughs> and then I started laughing. Yeah, because of this. Sometimes it's some things you never before. Sometimes it's some things you never knew about. And when you hear it, it's like, what? This is some foolishness. You'd be like, this is some fog and noggle. That's what my friend Danielle Brown say. This is some fog and noggle. That's what this is. But as you continue on, and as you continue to seek God, he come. He'll explain things to you. He will show you things that you can do. Because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. It's just a matter of if you want to do it or not. It just simply boils down to if I want to be right, if I want to do what's right or not. That's what it simply comes to. And we make the choice. We make the choice uh, whether we decide to do what the flesh is to do or whether we make the choice to obey God. It's up to us. But if we really seek in God and we really want God, we will continue to find him. We will continue to seek what it is he would have us to do. And some of us have gone through some hard days. Yes, Lord Jesus. Now, I can't remember really having hard days that severe when I was in prison. And that's, that, that's a hard life. I'm telling you now, it's not easy. But because God allowed me, because he knew in the month of September in the year of 1993, he knew I was going to accept him. He went in before me and made it like it had never been before. Uh, you would have thought uh, I was on some kind of girl campus. You never would have thought it was prison. You didn't hear about cuttings and stabbings and all this. You, you, you didn't hear a lot of that. That had gone on before now. And I'm sure when I left, it went on again, but you didn't, you didn't hear a lot about that. And for some reason, I was at, the people had respect for one another. Yeah. The younger women had respect for the older women. 
I can remember they, they had a dorm, and in this particular dorm, there were girls 18 to, like, let's say, 25 or 24. And there were a few young girls there, and they, you know, they saw me, they heard, you know, about the things I did and would do and this kind of thing, and they wanted to hang out because they, they, they needed some mothering. They, they needed somebody to teach them the right things to do because the wrong things is what landed them in prison. Some of them did not have a mother. Mother died when they was very young. Some of them had a mother, and she was strung out on drugs. So she was she was never a mother because after the baby was born, she continued her life of drug abuse alcohol abuse, whatever it was. So these young women was looking, not all of them now, not all of them, but only a few, they was looking for a better way, a better life. And uh, I had one to come one day and she said, hey, I said, hey, she said, you Barbara Mack? I said, yeah. She said, they call you Big Mac. said, uh-huh. She said, Big Mac. I said, yeah. She said, I heard you you invented a charge and uh, didn't have a name for it yet, and they had to find a name for your charge. How, how did you do that? And I explained to her, I was home raising children, and I needed some money. And this come to mind, and I tried it, and it worked. Every time I would try it, it would work. And I kept couldn't do it until I got out of control. And I, I kept going to court. They kept busting me. I kept going to court. They kept giving me another chance and another chance and then, until they just got tired of giving me all these chances. And said, we got to show her. She don't believe what we say. So we got to put it into action so she can see. Now, once they go into action, we believe she'll never come back here again. And that's exactly what happened. After they sentenced me to them three years over at FCI, Florida Correctional Institution, I never went back no more. Oh, no, I never did write no more, nothing to go back. Oh, no, I was done then. The example was enough for me. And look, God was there the whole time. Even when I'm sharing with these young women what not to do and how to carry themselves. That was one, she come over, she was from Africa. And I, I'm talking about an original African woman, fresh out the African country, you could say. Spoke the language. This girl could do hair braided and she could do that makeup to perfection. She come over to talk to me. During this time, now listen, I, I didn't know about ministry really. I I, I didn't know about ministry. I didn't really know uh, the deepness of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know about walking in the Spirit. Uh, I knew some scriptures and things, but, you know, I had that form of godliness, and I was yet denying the power thereof. I, I really didn't believe in tongue talking you know, over some things missing, but yet God could use me the little bit he used me. Because when I was a sinner, Christ yet died for me. I belonged to God. He made me for his pleasure. 
He knew me before I even entered my mother's womb. So I remember days, you know, that in prison, I would just be excited and happy. Nothing great had gone on. Nobody had sent me money because, see, I didn't ask my family for nothing. Mm-mm, don't send me nothing. <laughs> I'm going to make a way for myself. I'm a hustle. Yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. That's what I'm telling myself, and I made a way. Yeah, God blessed me to make a way because I felt like this. My family had nothing to do with me going to prison. And I can't take these people money and use it for me and I'm locked up. I couldn't expect them to come up there every week driving from Jacksonville to a Keller to see somebody who did wrong. And when they don't show up, I'm angry. Now, I'll call y'all because I know you'll be so worried that, hey, how's she doing? So, you know, once a week, I'll call you know how I'm doing. My brother told me, he was like, well, what's going on? Uh, he said, man, you sound like you happy up there. You like prison or something? I said, no, I, it's not that I like prison. I say, but whatever state I'm in, I got to be content because I can't get out of it. You know, I didn't use that exact word, but, you know, that's what it was. Whatever state I'm in, I got to accept it and make the best out of it. And the best way I know is not to be bitter, angry, or sad because it makes it worse. Be happy. Be happy. So well, what you want me to send you? I said, well, they let you get a box of stuff from home. But they let you get certain things. But well, what you want in the box? I told him, so that he put all that in the box, ship it up there to me. I said, you don't have to go buy me some white shirts. What size? I told him. He sent me T-shirts and white shirts. Well, I, I came up on these up on these ladies. They were all Caucasian ladies, and these girls walked around with the white shirts, the blue jeans, the bandanas, you know, that matched the sneakers they had on, and that kind of thing. And they went every week to get their hair done. I went every two weeks. And so they started, one, one of them started talking to me, and I started talking back to her, and we ended up working in the warehouse together. So she told her crew about me, like, hey, Barbara's like, not like everybody else, you know, and uh, we'd like to have our part of our crew. I want y'all to hear her. And so we would go, sit around the table in what we call the day. And they would be asking me questions, you know. I'm answering the questions. And uh, certain things they would tell me, you know. And it was God, but at the time, I, I had no clue. I thought it was Barbara being smart. <laughs> ooh, 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 it's embarrassing. I thought it was me doing all this stuff. Look, I'm locked up in prison, but I still could see in the spirit where I look, it was weird. It was just weird. But he went in before me. I never would have met these people unless I had gone to prison. I had no clue there's some work for you to do in prison. 
I didn't know nothing about that. And he would not tell me that because he know I would not intentionally try to be locked up. And no matter, you know, what he wanted, I wasn't going to be willing to do it. So he allowed me. He, he didn't send me there, can lie on him, but he allowed me to continue to do what it took until I got there. And the strange part about it, once I came out, I never went back. Look now, I still have a, I'm free in the free world, we call it. I'm back here. And it just come to me one day, you need to pray about that. Because if hard times come again, you're going to do that again. And it's going to be worse for you than before. I said, Lord, don't let me do anything to go to jail or prison from for. Take the illegal activity, even the desire from me. I don't ever want to go back again. Oh, that's been so long ago. Keep that from me. I never desired to do what it takes knowingly to go to jail or prison again. You see, he yet had one more move for me. I can remember days I went to church in prison and just had a time. And people would be looking at me like, like I'm crazy. Well, Mike, I say, ain't nothing up but him. And like, Mike, you into that thing. I say, yeah, he's been good to me. And I've gone on about my business. Sometimes people would come to me and say, hey, Big Mac, can I get you to pray for me? With a form of godliness denying the power thereof. With a judgmental spirit now. I don't even know I'm in the real fullness yet. But yet I can judge you. <laughs> Help me, Lord. <laughs> but it's what we do. Because we got that uh, 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 judgmental mentality not that I'm right or I know right but yet I'm not living right mentality he had one more move for me because he showed me how am I going to get that speck out of your eye and I got a big bean a whole tree in my eye You can see better than me in a way because you, you got a speck. I got the whole tree. But that's the mentality until I come into him in the fullness, until he came into me in the fullness. Now, judging others is not the way. Now, I know that I can love those that appear to be unlovable. The day I know I can love my enemy. The day I understand the word of God much more than I ever understood it. I told you about the Psalms. I used to think the Psalms was for my enemies. Had no clue about Saul, David, and Samuel. 
You know, they talk about the little shepherd boy, and I didn't even know what he was. I didn't even know what a shepherd was. Help me today. <laughs> I didn't even, Brother Mike, I didn't even know what a shepherd was. They keep sheep. And David kept his father's sheep. I didn't know that. I didn't even know about the stones he used to kill Goliath. All I knew is they said, see, I hadn't examined for myself. I hadn't seek for me. All I knew is that they said that David killed Goliath. And guess what? I didn't even know he was a boy when he did. Oh, y'all won't hear me this morning. I had a form of godliness denying the power thereof. That was a way that seemed right to me, but the end thereof would have been destruction. But I had to come into the knowledge of the truth. <laughs> yes, sir, Brother Lewis, the sheep are totally lost without their shepherd. I didn't know nothing about that. Yeah, I heard him say he was a shepherd boy, but I didn't know what shepherding was. A lot of things I heard. I, I heard a song that said, I may not sing like an angel, and I may not preach like Paul. But guess what? I didn't even know who Paul was. <laughs> Help me today, Lord. I didn't know who Apostle Paul was. I'm singing the song with everybody else in the church, not even knowing who Apostle Paul was or what he had gone through or that he was a murderer and, and putting the people in jail. I didn't know nothing about that. I didn't know he was on his way to Damascus and the light shine from him blind. I didn't know about that. I didn't know God had asked him, Saul, because he was Saul at the time. Why persecuted thou my people? I didn't know nothing about that. But yet I'm singing about Paul. I didn't know God assigned angels. I thought angels only worked in heaven. They didn't have nothing to do with the earth. Ignorant in many ways until I come into the fullness of him. I accepted him, but more he had already accepted me. He had a date stamped when I would come to him, when I seek him with my whole heart, when I would totally sell out to him, and I meant what I said when I went to him. Whatever it take, Lord, don't let me go to hell. Help me, Lord, with what it takes to go with you, to be with you. And he began to unfold things. I had a new look. I, 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 my eyes come open. Because all before, I was blind. Do you hear me? Yeah, I was blind. You heard the song, right, in Amazing Grace. I once was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I'm found. Because I went to church, I did all these things. And I would tell people, don't play with God the whole time I was playing. Didn't even know I was playing with him. I know many days he looked down and just laughed. <laughs> I know many days he, 
he looked down and he said, my goodness. <laughs> Yet, my grace is sufficient for her. Yet, I have mercy for her. Yet, I love her. Because he understood that I didn't understand. And then I would do stuff, uh, tell people, you know, uh, God know my heart. And I would say that boldly, you know, because I thought that was something to say to back people up off me. But guess what I found out? He truly do know the very intent of my heart. He know what's in that. He know why it's in that. And I thought I was being sporty, you know, saying something slick out my mouth. Yeah, but he showed me. And where I thought I was humble, I was stiff-hearted, stiff-necked, disobedient. Yeah? Because I could tell you it was wrong to do it, but I would do it. All this I'm talking about to you, then I tell you not to do it, but I go back and do it. Never think to myself, you wrong. Thinking, yeah, y'all need to do this to get right. Not considering I need to do it to get right. Because it would be a sad thing that all of this I've done unto the Lord and I die and go to hell because I told everybody else to do it. But I didn't do it. Ooh, that would be messed up. But yeah, I was in, in the prison and happy. The, the only time I think I wasn't happy is if I almost get busted for doing something. Because see, they had a thing there called contraband. Contraband was something that was against the prison rules. You wasn't supposed to have it. I know many probably were shank and stuff like that, you know, where they take the razor blade uh, out of the razor that you shave your legs and things with, and you heat up with your lighter. You heat up the end of the toothbrush, and you put the blade in that, and that heat melted the plastic in the handle of the toothbrush, so it sealed so they call that a shame. You hide it so that, you know, if anybody get wrong with you and you got to fight or something and got to shank them, then you just cut them up, you know. See, that, was, that wasn't me. Yeah, when you first get there, they take you through reception and orientation. We call it R and O. And you're in here with all these strange women. You never knew uh, every crime you could think of one or the other has committed it. Uh, husband murder. Somebody killed their best friend. All kind of stuff. And you went through this and they took you to different classes to educate you because there were a lot of things you didn't know went on in the world. Politics. All kind of things. They did an IQ test on you. You have what they call teams. They take you before a team of people, which is like your classification officer. This is the person. It's like your social worker. They had COs there, correctional officers, that would uh, be involved 
you know, in your life, in your dorm, where you lived, on the compound. The COs that worked, the RNO, the reception and orientation, one or the other were in your team. They assign your job. Uh, they tell you things that you didn't know. And even in RNO, I was happy. I, I couldn't help it. I didn't know another way to be. And this one, her name was Miss Russell. She uh, worked the 73 in reception and orientation. And I was still in, in reception and orientation. And she came uh, to my team. And she said, what's your mother's name? I said, Mary Lenny Pittman. She said, what's your name? I said, Prince Pittman. She said, you should ask your dad. I said, lady, don't play with me. I said, Prince Pittman, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, that's my dad. And they all laughed. <laughs> and she said, yeah, that's your dad. She said, she said that's your biological father. I said, I know. You, you could have kept that, Miss Russell, because I know who my daddy is. And so after it was said and done, they assigned me a job in the factory sewing labels in men's underwear, like fruit of the loom. And after they told me how often I would come to team and, you know, game time, you know, you could get 20 days a month and you do 10 days and, you know, stuff like that. Then they asked me if I had any questions. And I started asking them all kind of questions. And so uh, they said, the lieutenant said, you know, we, we never had nobody to come down through here and ask us questions. We asked them questions, but nobody never asked us. And and they looked around, you know, was looking at each other, shaking their head. I went on. When they let me out of R&O and assigned me to a dorm, I was in a dorm called Bethune. And uh, I went on to Bethune, put my stuff up, and, you know, around in the day room, the TV room, you know, saw where the showers and the bathroom was and that kind of thing. And, uh I went on, but while I was in R&O, this girl come, and she was cussing me out, but I didn't know. I didn't know she was talking to me. And I thank God for that because I would have jammed my time. You hear me? I would have jammed it because I would have took out not wanting to be there. I'd have took it out on her. And she had been locked up in prison, the same prison before. And so we had gone and did the IQ test, and they gave us uh, the results you know, whether yours was 50 or 80 120 whatever it was, and they had given me mine. But prior to this, in a class where they was teaching you about yourself, you know, what happened to you, uh, why you the way you are, per se, you know? And so they, the lady asked me a question, the instructor, she said, I wouldn't be the way that I am, something to this effect except what happened in the family. I said, except my dad. I said, I wouldn't be overweight if it wasn't for my dad. I said, we had dessert with every meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert snacks. I said, I learned from that. It, it just became a part of me, and I raised my children like that. And not knowing, you know, it makes you overweight. And so we all laughed about it. But this person, she didn't like me because I was outspoken. I wasn't scared to speak. You know, I didn't consider myself ignorant and stupid. 
you know, I just gave an honest answer. So when we leave R&O and get back, I mean, leave the class and get back to R&O, she cussing and raising sand. So I go to the bathroom, and this girl was in there, and the, the woman came in the bathroom cussing and raising sand. And so she told me, she said, hey, Big Mac, she talking to you. I said, who? She said, you. And I'm listening at what she's saying. So she's talking about the class and so-and-so and that and that. Thinks she's so smart and this and that. Before I get a chance to come out that stall and kill her, Miss Russell, the CO, came in there. She said, you, come with me. You come with me. She said, Barbara, finish up what you're doing, and you just come on back to the day room. Whatever you was doing uh, before you came in here, just go back to your normal activity. I got this. She took her and put her in locker. Yeah. And it, it was so strange to me because how do you do this? When I come out of R&O into the dorm, Bethune, I was assigned a bed and all of that, put my stuff up and check things out. When I come back to my bed, the same girl sitting on the bed next to me, and she putting her stuff up. So I'm looking. I'm like, they put her in the bed next, next to me, and she got beat with me. I said to myself, I said, you're going to go to sleep. You're not going to sleep with one eye open, and you're not going to sleep with one eye closed. You're you going on to sleep and rest. And if you hear a rustle, just go on and kill her. So I come in one day, come in from the factory. And uh, she said, hey, Barbara. I said, hey, how you doing? I'm okay. And she started just talking to me. It, it was weird. She said, I've been here before. And this is my second go round. I said, you have children? Yeah, I have children. And this, that, and this, and that. And, 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 and believe it or not, she tried to play a role like she was bougie, as they call it. You know, like she come from stock. Calvin Klein. <laughs> Nike. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, what? Well, look here, that's all they gave you, some stuff? Because they should have gave you some education from home, you know, something that you could use in the world. Attitude is everything outside of home. You can cut up at home, but don't you cut up out here? Because the streets don't love you back. People don't love you out here. And according to how you act, that's how they'll treat you. And sometimes you can act good and they'll still treat you bad. A couple of days later, she was gone. They moved her to a whole nother dorm. And every now and then, you know, lunchtime, stuff like that, I'm walking the compound. Every now and then, I would see her. But that's always stayed with me. Why would they put her in the bed next to me for me to kill her if she got it? But they knew. See, what they knew was what I did not know. They knew she was a coward. See, because anybody that's about their life, let me tell you, you ain't doing a whole bunch of cussing nobody out and talking from a distance, and they don't know you talking to them. That's a form of talking behind their back. 
If you bowed it, you you gonna step in their face and let them know I'm coming to you. But she really couldn't do that because I hadn't done nothing to her. And what I did in that class was between me and the instructor. The rest of the class members just happened to be there and they got to laugh. But I yet did not let that discourage me. I kept on because I told you, he went in, oh, glory to his majesty. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He went in before me. I met a young lady. Her name was Marlene Stevens. She was from Sarasota. She used to work at the sheriff's department, got hooked up with the wrong man. We became good friends, like sisters. And this woman wanted to know about the Bible. So the best I could teach her, I began to share the little bit that I knew. Now, mind you, I didn't know about David and the shepherd boy. I didn't know who Paul really was. I, I, I didn't know about I didn't know about King Saul was after David because jealous. <laughs> but I'm teaching her the best that I knew. And we went to church together. We ate lunch together, breakfast together. If we went to breakfast, I mean, they want no breakfast, but dinner together. And people would be coming to me to talk to me. And we would walk around the baseball field so they could talk to me without nobody hearing it. I thought all of this was strange. I didn't understand. It was God using it. I did not know. I thought it was how smart Barbara was. Y'all heard me? I remember the lesbian women, some of them would come to me and say, hey, hey, Big Mac, I need to talk to you. It's like, okay, come on, let's walk the field. And we would go out, and, and, and they would tell me things like this. Hey, hey, Big Mac, I'm no lesbian. I love me. And some of them would use that word, I love the D word. You know what I'm saying? And I said, okay. And they would say, I have children, and I have a man at home waiting on me. And he he couldn't afford to take care of me in prison and take care of my children. So I chose for him to take care of the children. And this is the way I found Mac, because you got a lot of lonely, needy women, and they go for this, and they buy me anything I want. And the more you look like a man, the more you can gain from these women. I don't love not a one of them. But you tell them you love them. I said, oh, okay. Yeah, it's a game, Mac. And see, up there, I'm telling you, he went in before me. God went in before me and prepared the way for me to come. For such a time as today. Not a one of them really tried me, tried me. Uh-uh. Because it was like this. If you wasn't a part of their clique, they didn't want you being a part of their clique, and they didn't bother you, and you didn't bother them because you wasn't a part of the lesbian clique. So I was free. I did whatever I wanted to do and mind my business, and they mind theirs. I took in washing and ironing and things like that so that I could make money. Shoes, they had Listerine toothpaste. And I got an old toothbrush, and I would clean my sneakers. And they sparkled, snow white. white. Looked like they were whiter than they were when you bought them out the store white. 
And so they would come to me and say, Mike, how you get them sneakers like that? I said, hey, Barbara's secret, you know, herbs and spices here. I can't be telling you my secrets. Well, Mike, can you clean up a path for me like that? And I said, let me see them. <clears throat> and they let me see them. How much you charge me to clean these up? I said, give me $2. And I said, it's going to take you three days to get them back now because once I clean them, they got to dry. It was like, I got you. I got you. Or I would take them back to them when they was wet, put a plastic bag, and you sit them on there and don't touch them now. They got to dry. And so people started leaving the bottom drawer on their dresser um, to put their shoes to dry. So that became a thing in there. Hey, get Big Mac to do your shoes, you know, put them in drawer. And they stay three days or four days until they dry. He went before me. He laid the foundation and opened the way for me. One me. I had a girl to tell me, she said, honey, this the devil's den. I said, well, where he at? Stupid. Y'all hear me? I said, well, where he at? Because I, I, I didn't need him up in here. You know, I said, I met God in here, God in here. I said, I ain't have nothing to do with the devil business. But see, she was partaker of the lesbian community and all this old stuff when she got out of there, you know. So look, that's not for me. He went in before me. I can't say it enough. And prepared the way for me. He laid the foundation and opened up the way for me to go do them 19 months on three years and come out of there with a clean record. I think the most I got is a CC or got a DR. I was never locked. I had a cousin. Yeah. A first cousin. <laughs> well, a second cousin. Well, yeah, that worked there. Her mother was my dad's niece. When Christmas came, coming up to Christmas or Thanksgiving, <clears throat> she said, look here, what you want? Mama said, what you want? I said, I want that dressing. I, I, I need a turkey leg and thigh. You know, I need them greens. <laughs> Cranberry sauce, macaroni and cheese. Tell her to throw me some gravy and rice, cornbread, and please don't forget the sweet potato pie. And I need a couple of slices of different cakes. She said, okay, Mama says she got you. And she would call me over on what we call dorm side. That's where you had a room. You, you slept in a room. You had a roommate, but, you, you know, you was away from, uh, I mean, room side. You was away from the dorm, wide open, you know. And I would go over there to her little office, and I would eat, you know, what she brought me. And uh, when I get through, you know, I'd go up in the bathroom on room side, wash my hands and face and come out like nothing had happened. Yeah. All right, Brother Lua, I got you. I got you. All right, God bless you, sir. So, you know, this this kind of thing went on. I had favor in the warehouse uh, with the CO that was over the warehouse. I had favor. They trained me, taught me things. I went in there, couldn't bear to lift five pounds of sugar, come out throwing 50 pounds, 50 pounds sacks of potatoes, 50 pounds sacks of sugar. Yeah. Had a boyfriend. Cecil Siriani. Yes, ma'am. Had a boyfriend in there. We could have gum. The men could have gum. 
and there was a men prison across the street, and they would bring them over there to build stuff, do plumbing, and all of that. Met this guy, he would throw me gone. Juicy fruit. Yeah. I yet had one more time. Everything, all the favor, if each favor was one more time. One more time. I had no clue. I had no clue that God was real. I had no real clue of what he could do, who he was, and who I could be in him. I had no clue. Left there with the conclusion I could keep myself, but yet come back out, fornicating, all kind of crazy thoughts and things, clubbing. Yeah, I came out of that clubbing and meeting guys and all kind of stuff. But guess what? He saved the best for last. This was in the early 80s. He saved best for last for September 29th, 1993, in that area. He saved it for such a time like that because he knew I would come to him. I had got hooked up into some craziness and that dope selling and dope dealing <laughs> with the dope dealers and all of that. But God came and brought me out. I cried out to him. He heard my cry. And ever since that beautiful day, I have not been the same. And I never to go back. Because there's nothing back there for me. All that's for me is before me. It's for today. It's in my future. To stay with him. Because he continues to give one more time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm grateful until morning. I wanted to share that today because that's how he moved. Somebody needed to hear. I don't care where you are. I don't care what you don't know and what you're not doing. If he chose you, he's going to see you through over and over and over again. If he called you, he's going to see you through. He's got a time and set for you to come out on him. Because a lot of things we do, we don't know it, but he's using us. He has every right. He made us for his pleasure. We belong to him. You don't force anything. Whosoever will let them come. But he know how to allow the situations to come up. Where he's the only way. And then it just come to our mind. I've tried everything else. Let me try God. Hallelujah. And it's going to be all right today. In Jesus name. Let it go. Whatever it is today that's keeping you bound, whatever it is today that's staying on your mind, let it go today. Put it on the altar before God and walk away. Because by any means necessary, he will bless you. By any means necessary, he will bring you out. We just got to choose by any means necessary to stay on his side. Stay with him. Stay in his word. Walk accordingly to his word and his way. And everything. 
I promise you will be all right. Because, see, he's coming back one day looking for us. He's coming back one day, and he's taking us to a place where we'll never cry, die, sadden. We won't go through any of that, that the things that we've gone through in the earth. It'll be a brand new day. Our mansions. <laughs> you get to live in the mansion. Anybody ever lived in a mansion? Because I haven't. I used to have a little one-room place, and I sectioned it off and made it into my own little apartment, having a little living room, a little kitchen with the sink and, you know, a little office. One room, and it was tiny. But one day I get to go to the mansion. Yeah, because I have a mansion just over here. Yeah, hallelujah. God is faithful. So listen, I need you to just let go today. And let God have his way. You see what he brought me through. He's no respect of person. You may have a loved one locked up. And you grieve in that thing. You real hurt over it. You, if some haven't even contacted their loved one because they're so hurt over what they did, let it go. Give it to God. They don't belong to you. They belong to him. Just because you've been to, just because you've been to jail, you aborted a baby. You slept with men for money. You slept with men for no money. Whatever your case may be. You may be a liar. You may be a homosexual. You, you, you may still be a prostitute or whatever the case may be. Let it go today. God want to have his way in your life. And he'll make it for you like this. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You may have gone through with your family. You may be struggling with some things because of what they took you through. Let it go today. God want to bless you. Let God have it. He can remove all the evil from it and bless you to be a worker unto him. He can bring it into your life, joy and peace. But you have to let him do it because without him, you can't. Uh, without him, we can do nothing today. Hallelujah. Give up to him. Sell out to him who's able to keep you and keep you blameless before his throne uh, because one day we'll be judged. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we go into this one. When we come back, the studio is open. If anyone has something to say, Please feel free to press that number one and come in. Hallelujah. You are the Lego. Let God have his way. You are the Lego.
Radio not just for your ears, but also for your spirit. Jesus in the morning radio. And you're with Barbara. Hallelujah. Keep Wonder Boy Johnson. Let's go today and let God have his way. Hallelujah. He want to bless you. He want to work miracles in your life. He want to save your children. He want to save your wife, your husband. He want to make things better. He want to give you the house on the hill with the dog named Fluffy. He want to give you the brand new car. He want to give you a better paying job. Let go today and let God have his way. You're going to see clearer. Hallelujah. If you let go. Thank you, Jesus. All right, Miss Jerry. Good morning. God bless you. How are you? Good morning, Sister Barbara. I am well, and thank you for a great message this morning. Let go, let God have his way, second chances. As we all know, God is very patient in giving us all second chances. Mm -hmm. He don't just give us second chances one time. He gives them to us over and over again. I was dealing with something so bad, I I woke up with a headache because it hurt me so bad. And then you said, second chances. I said, God, you're speaking to me. I, I, I just felt like this person did something so bad till I was so angry. And God said, Jerry, you've done bad things too. You're just angry because she did it to your grandbaby. But, you know, be grateful she told you the truth. She can't clean. Do you know how hard it was for her? to tell you that she sold all those consoles you bought him for Christmas. I was so angry. But, you know, after the sermon this morning and you talking, I don't know. It just has lifted off of me. Because God can replace everything that she got rid of. And it was God. God knew she was going to do it. But I can't let the devil come in between a great relationship that I have with that mother because she made a mistake. Although the devil showed me that was a mistake, she intentionally did that. She didn't have to come and tell me. She did not have to come and tell me, Grandma, tomorrow's Bubba's birthday. Because I go to his house and something she just brings into me. I would have never known. The baby hadn't told me that he didn't have his consoles. She sold them for $100, over $1,000 worth of electronics for $100. I was so angry I couldn't even call and send out prayers last night. I said, God, you got to deliver me. But after I hear let go and let God have his way, she apologized to me so much last night, even though I was angry, God had me to tell her, I love you. I love you, and it's going to be all right. But this morning, he had me to text her, I love you. We must talk. She said, I was scared to talk to you. No, don't be afraid. We all have messed up. But let's not do that again. I don't know how you're going to get my baby electronics back, but you need to go seek God. Mm. Then God said, after she seeks me, I'll make a way. So it's going to be all right. 
it's already all right this morning. Amen. God is patient in giving us all second chances. You don't just give us one second chance. Jerry, he gave you so many chances over. Remember that mother coming to the school? Second chance after second chance. Don't judge her. Do not judge her. I told her to come clean with my son. She had lied and said, well, I bought, she told me she bought all those electronics. I didn't care who bought them, whatever. I told you, you got to come clean. You got to come clean all the way. And when you do, God will bless you. Don't look to me to replace what you did. Now you need to seek God for help. Don't be afraid. Be not afraid, for God shall take good care of you. Amen. You messed up. Okay, we all mess up. Listen to your testimony, Barbara and Jaya. We all mess up. She's where she's at because she put herself there. Yes, I know that, devil. But she's had enough respect for me to tell me the truth. And for that, I'm very forgiving. God has said to us all, respect me enough to be honest. You already know I saw you, Adam. I just asked you, where were you, Adam? I wasn't asking you, where were you? I'm asking you, Adam, where are you in your face with me? Where are you at, grandbaby's mother? Where are you at with your faith in God? Do you believe it's time to come clean? Do not allow materialistic things to come in between you and anybody else. Again, God gave these things to you. Allow him to re-give them back to you. Of course, she was crying. How can you forgive me for such a terrible thing I've done? Because forgiveness to forgive is the way. So those of you that have done something wrong and think your life is over, it's just beginning. Do not allow the devil to make you think that the person you did it to will not forgive you. God is a forgive God. Let go. Let him have his way. But he is merciful. And he gives you grace and mercy every day. So today I say, just as God is in the business of giving second chances, I want to be there too. Just as God is in the business of forgiving, I want to be there too. I can't ask God for forgiving, forgiveness if I can't forgive myself. Today, God, I ask us all to forgive. I don't care how small it is. I don't care how large it is. Forgive. And once you forgive, watch God start having his way in your life and in the personal life that you've possibly done something wrong to. 
Thank you, God, for this moment and teaching on second chances. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hallelujah. Yeah, we have to forgive and we have to let go. And uh, things come our way. Even as believers, God, we still will have mountains to climb, hills to climb. Yeah, some days it will appear to be dark, but we are the children of light. And so we let our light shine still so that God can be glorious. I'm not saying it's always because this is not an easy way. But God sent his son in flesh so that he could show us it can be done. But the choice is ours. We must choose to. Hallelujah. And so we thank God this morning. Thank him for his word by any means necessary. Oh, yeah. One more time. God is giving me one more time. Hallelujah. I don't care what come my way. I don't care what it is. God gives one more time. And so we're thankful unto him this morning. I have a request for this one, and uh, it's a short one, and I'm going to play this one. And when we come back, we'll come back praying out if no one has anything they would like to say. You have something to say? Feel free to press that number one. Earth to God, come in God, I know you're there, hearing our prayers wherever you are, we need you now, to send your love down, take away the pain in your holy name, we ask this now.
represented here, every friend that's represented near and far. God, move by your spirit today for us, your people. We need you. We can't do it for ourselves, but we know you're able. Uh, we thank you this morning. And Father, as we depart, we ask that you would bless our going out, bless our coming in, continue to meet the need in our lives according to your riches and glory by your son, Christ Jesus. Father, we ask that you would do it today for us. In Jesus' name, amen and hallelujah. We thank you this morning. Glory to his majesty. May the Lord walk between me and thee while we are absent one from another in the name of Jesus. Go today in love and peace. Share the good news of Jesus and give someone something of quality. God loves a cheerful giver. Have a blessed day. I speak the blessings of Almighty God upon the day, May the 26th, 2021, in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you that you can bless us, speaking blessings on each other. Uh, we give you glory. So at this time, I'm going to say bye-bye, and uh, I'll play a song as we're going out. And uh, after the song, I won't be coming back, but uh, we thank God. So again, have a blessed day. Have a blessed day. It was meant to kill me, sin to destroy me, and I thought that it would, and I thought that it should, cause I messed up so many times, I went left when you said right, I'll understand if you wanna let me go, let me go, let me go, but you held on to me, and you wouldn't let me go, and you wouldn't let me go, go.
for my good. Oh, what was meant to kill me? It only made me better. 